Man, day 30. A whole day. month. And we made it through three books of the Bible. Right. Yeah, I'm encouraged, man. Yeah, man. Super, super encouraged by that. And then, yeah, so we, we finished off talking about the feasts and all that. And then chapter 24, we didn't hit on it, but it was, it was talking about just the principle of justice, right? Like God yeah. is a just God. Mm-hmm. And he, he talks about um, consequences for sin yeah. in that way. But in 25, he, he transitions, and it's a really long chapter, but a really good chapter, yeah. to um, Sabbath years and Jubilee. So we talked about how important the Sabbath was, right, for right. the people of God. Yeah. But in Leviticus 25, he says, not only will you keep the Sabbath and these festivals, every seventh year is a Sabbath year, mm. <laughs> right? We, I don't think, we live in the West, right? right? And we live in the 21st century, so we're, we're just busybodies. So we, we can't even imagine this, right? Right. So every seventh year is a Sabbath year, but not only that, after that, every seven, seven years is the year of Jubilee, right? Uh-huh. And in the year of Jubilee, it was this um, freedom, right? There was this releasing of slaves. There was this canceling of debts. Right. And what, what the Bible is trying to show us is that God is about, you know, freedom. He yep. is about um, restoration. He yeah. is about redemption, right? He yeah. is about the freedom from slavery. That's the whole thing that comes through from Exodus over to Leviticus. Right. And then when like when Christ comes on the scene, right? Yeah. He's going to come on the scene and says, "The spirit of the Lord is upon is upon me." He's going to quote Isaiah yeah. and say, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me to write to to set the captives free, yada yada the whole nine yards." And so what the Bible is saying is like, "No, like Jesus in his work, right, is providing this true freedom, this true debt cancellation." Yeah. Right and and true rest as we talked about before. Yeah, and it comes. It's funny. We we was reading. Uh, you preached through Matthew. Matthew yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, and um, or early this year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but it just when you when you look at the generations, right? Jesus literally comes based on Matthew's counting, right? right. Um, in the seventh after the seventh seventh generation. Yep. Right. He comes to earth. And inaugurates his ministry because God is really fully and finally canceling debts, yeah. releasing slaves, yeah. right, and providing rest for us. Yeah. People. Yeah. That this year of Jubilee is essentially like when you take your car into the shop for alignment, it's saying, all right, drifting's going on. This is a time to restore, to set things right. Jesus uh, does that ultimately. Practically, God was trying to say, hey, listen, at the end of the day, if there have been uh, injustices, unfortunate events that have caused people to be disadvantaged, there mm. are going to be ways that I'm practically going to make this right. So it's not just going to be perpetual. And you see this God caring about the very natural and ordinary lives of people. One thing that I want to do, and we're not, we're not going to do this a whole bunch, but I do think it's so right. important. In Leviticus 25, 45, um, if you're reading from um, you know, either the NIV or uh, the CSB like we read from, or even the ESV, in uh, Leviticus 25, 45, and 46, when it talks about this concept of slaves, it's going to use the word property um, as it refers to people. And I think that is a terrible translation of that mm-hmm. word, right? That I th- what they were trying to get at and what the word really means to infer is possession, right? So it is a type of ownership, but um, ownership 
doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that is owned or the thing that is possessed now is property, right? So when I talk about my wife, um, I say she's mine and she says that I'm hers. And so we have a type of possessiveness or possession of one another. Uh, mm. But I ain't never calling Chandra my property, right? Yeah, I'm mm. trying to stay married. I'm trying to treat her as a human and to call a person a piece of property is to dehumanize them. And yeah. man, it's these small things in the text that I think we really have to know. God is not in the business of dehumanizing people, mm. right? Psalm 8 is all about the glory of God and the yeah. dignity of man. And as God describes the particular way people are dignified, he's yeah. going to bring up the fact that uh, they're less than God, but they're above the animals that can be viewed as property. Man sits in this place or in this right place mm. when he is neither deified, seen as God, or dehumanized, seen right. as less than man. People are never property. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I would even go so far as to say, like, man, man in and of himself is the most glorious being in the universe that is not God. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yep. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, the Bible's view of man is so high. So, yeah, like, yeah, even to piggyback off of what you said, man, translations are decisions, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't want, I don't want to come across and say, like, man, we can't trust translations. No, no, right. no, that's not what I'm saying. Absolutely. But interpreters had to make decisions, yeah. right? And that's why it's important to have. A diverse group of people in the room on those translation committees. Yep, and that's why your boy is trying to learn Hebrew. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because you yeah, it, like you've got to have that one guy that stands up and say, "Oh, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait." Uh, this could be offensive to yeah people group. Yep. Or I know that y'all don't think much of this, but mm -hmm. you do know that um, generations of people were enslaved and treated as property because people believed that this meant that ironically enough in the king james this is translated as possession not wow so really quick too i don't want to skirt over that right and like if i and we have resources on ancient slavery right, right. so like slavery in the hebraic culture and context was completely different right we've said it before we're going to keep saying it yep. it's completely different from slavery like chattel slavery in the transatlantic slave trade right one thing that i think was really key that people have said was that they were treated like human beings. Right, right, right. Also, this is in Leviticus 25, so they had to be released after a certain time, right? Once again, yeah. Yeah, and then it was not based on ethnicity, and they could even, in, in the event that circumstances uh, allowed it, they could even uh, get the inheritance, right? So when yeah. a father passes down in his inheritance yeah. to his child, if he didn't have children, he could pass it to the slave. Right. And the slave keep going. That ain't happened in America, <laughs> right, right, right. You right, see what right, I'm saying? Right. So yeah, we're not yeah. going to, we're going to keep it real. So, yeah. Yep. So uh, we're going to keep this thing yeah. moving to close out this book, Leviticus 26 and 27 here is the end of the book. In 26, um, God is basically going to make the point God responds to your obedience or disobedience. So Amen. God's going to start off. And what we're going to have here is God promising them. God's like, yo, Moses, tell them I reward the obedience of my people. I just want them to know their obedience doesn't go unnoticed. And so yeah. this is not a prosperity gospel. This is no. us just saying, no, 
God rewards obedience. Obedience is a good thing that brings good results from God. It's not saying that things won't go bad, but it is saying that God is not um, a passive spectator when it comes to your obedience. God rewards it. But in the same way, God's going to respond to disobedience. And here's what he does, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a longer section about the way God responds to disobedience, not because God uh, doesn't care when we do right or cares more when we do wrong, but there's something in our hearts that when we do wrong and God responds, we don't learn the lesson the first time we turn up. When I discipline my daughter, there's times where it's like, I think it'll calm her down, but sometimes when 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 she's really hyped, uh, discipline just makes her turn up, makes her turn yeah. up. And so in verses 18, 21, 23, and 27 of Leviticus 26, God says this, yo, listen, if I discipline you, right, and y'all don't get it and y'all turn up, I'ma turn up. And if y'all keep mm-hmm. on trying to turn up, God's like, I'm going to turn up all the way until um, I'm going to cast y'all out of the land and I'm going to force this land to rest. Once again, like we talked about Mm -hmm. in Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel, what man won't do by obedience, God will force him to do by compulsion. God's like, I'm going to cast y'all out, exile, and I'm going to make sure that the land rests. And God says, y'all are going to be in exile and y'all are going to be shook. Y'all are going to hear every creak in the empty house and y'all are going to be scared and fearful. And just when our hearts start to beat, God's Mm going to say in verse 40, but once y'all finally get it there, yo, if you finally get it and you repent and turn, God's like, I'll restore you. I will restore you. And more than that, God says, you won't even have to wait until you get back into the land to experience my presence. I'll come and find you in exile and I'll be with you. And this is God just being so gracious in God saying, I'm going to reward obedience. I will respond to disobedience and I'll turn up harder than you will. But when you finally crumble and humble yourself, God's saying, I'll be right back there to restore you and to bring you back. And he just continually drives this point home. God's saying, I am going to deal with the sin that stands in the way of our unity so that we can be together. Yeah. And Jesus, like Israel, was God's son, right? right? And so the Bible will say that God is disciplining here, Israel. Yeah. And Israel was disobedient. Mm. Jesus kept this perfectly. Amen. Obedient. Took the curse. Exiled from God's presence. Yeah. So we could come back.